Pulpit is brought to you by Click Studios and Lutron Sensors. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And happy holidays, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic holiday weekend, enjoying the season, enjoying your friends, your family, maybe even enjoying the relatives, because they're not going to be there that long. Just enjoy them while they're there. <laughs> you can kick them out and get back to taking care <laughs> of your house. 888-666-3974. That's our number. We'd love to chat with you about the projects that you're working on. Probably not today or this weekend, because it is the holiday, but perhaps in the year ahead. Give us a call right now. If there's something on your to-do list for the year ahead, maybe it's a new kitchen. Maybe it's a new floor. Maybe it's a new roof. Whatever's going on, we'd love to give you some advice at 888 888- Money Pit. Coming up this hour, you've been taught that smoke detectors save lives, but that might not actually be the case every single time. It turns out that the type of smoke detector you have makes a huge difference in when the alarm is going to sound. We're going to share which type of alarms go off early enough to keep you and your family safe. And is your holiday tree or your Christmas tree or whatever you call that beautiful piece of greenery in your home starting to not look so green? Well, we want to give you some tips to help you keeping it looking beautiful and fresh right through the new year. Plus, with millions hitting the roads this weekend, we've also got some tips to help you avoid emergencies at home while you're away. And as the days are getting darker, we're giving away a set of five Lutron Maestro occupancy sensing switches. They're going to help add lighting automation to your house. Yep, these are super convenient because they give you a way to turn the lights on and off hands-free, and they're very easy to install. They retail for about 20 bucks each. We've got five going out to one lucky listener who calls in their home improvement question. A little holiday gift from us to you. Give us a call right now. We'd love to talk with you at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Jeffrey in Louisiana's on the line. What can we do for you? Uh, being that I live in Louisiana, you know, a lot of moisture content in the air. We've heard that. <laughs> yeah, and after saying that, I, in the west side of my house, inside, I've noticed that my tape and float along with my sheetrock is just basically coming off the walls. I've had moisture content uh, uh, tests done on my sheetrock, and there is none. It's only on one side of my house, and I can't figure out why. I'm a construction worker. I have been for 35 years, and I can't figure out why my sheetrock is curling on. So did you say paint was coming off the sheetrock? What's happening is when the tape and float comes up, it brings the paint with it, of course. Oh, okay. All right, so the tape is separating. Oh, yeah. Well, geez, I, I just want, I wonder if I wonder if the guys that did that tape work just did a bad job or used some bad spackle or something like that. That shouldn't be happening. Well, maybe that's so. You know, I, I thought that too, but once I got it all, you know, remodeled and everything, it did it again, just on that side of the house. I even deemed it one time as being settling in the house. And I even had uh, some of my guys come out and measure and only settled an inch in, within the last two years. So that can't be the problem. Let's assume that there's something, there's something wrong with, that, uh, with the adhesion issue there. And one thought that I might have, especially since the old wall is in such bad shape, what, why don't you do this? How much work would it be for you to skin those walls with a second layer of drywall, but not half inch? I would use quarter inch drywall, so very thin drywall. And you can uh, overlap the joints. I would glue it and screw it to the wall. So now you have a clean, brand new, fresh set of drywall upon which you can tape the seams properly, prime it, and paint it. And and that surely would be a one-time fix that wouldn't have to be repeated. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 
Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Jennifer in Missouri, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I have a rental house that is a basement home, and it has a concrete patio that is rather large, probably around 12 feet long by 8 foot wide. The house has been built several years ago, and over the course of time, um, the concrete patio has gotten pitted. Um, It looks like from the use of rock salt to melt the ice and snow off of it. And I didn't know just because of the size of the patio, um, I'm guessing it's going to be pretty costly to replace it. I didn't know if I had any other options. Yeah, you do. And this is a perfect scenario for this. Quickcrete makes a product called Concrete Resurfacer, and it's specifically designed for scenarios like this. You can apply this resurfacer to the entire slab, and it's designed to stick to it and fill in those pock marks and those little gaps, and it will give it a whole new look. It'll look like a brand new slab, but it will resurface it completely. Wow, that's great. What is it called? It's made by Quickcrete, and it's called a concrete resurfacer. It's basically a blend of Portland cement and sand and polymers. And the polymers and the other additives basically set it up so it can stick to the original concrete. There is a preparation. You have to pressure wash it first to get it nice and clean. But once you apply this, you can basically squeegee it or trowel it on, and you can use a brush finish so it gets that nice sort of slip-resistant finish when you're all done. That's great news. I didn't realize there was anything like that. So thank you. Specifically designed for this project. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Francis in Michigan's on the line with a wood burning stove question. What are you working on? Oh, I was just contemplating um, installing a wood burner in a three season room with uh, a couple of sliding glass doors, mm-hmm. and um, it would go in the corner. So one of the walls has a couple windows, you know, partway up that are like awning windows. And then on the other wall, there'd be the stationary part of the sliding glass door, you know, in the corner. And I was thinking about maybe installing a wood burner in that corner. And I wondered if if there's any um, restrictions as far as how far away from the glass you would have to put the stove. Yeah, there's definite restrictions. Now, would that window be behind the stove or just kind of off the side of the stove? Well, the stove would be in the corner sort of sort of diagonally. The stove is actually a, not a very large wood burner. Um, it's a Vermont casting one that I saw that, um, you know, it's longer than it is wide, and it would sit in the corner, so the long part would come out into the room, and then it would be diagonally against the corners. Okay, so rule of thumb that you need three foot of clearance between any part of that stove and the wall on both sides. You can build in um, a heat shield, which is sort of a shield that builds, stands away from the wall, and it creates sort of a, um, a convective loop where air moves behind it and keeps the wall cooler. Now, what I don't know is how this is going to impact your windows and your slider, because I I really don't know exactly what the shape of the room is from your description. The other concern is I don't know if the slider has a vinyl frame. If it does, vinyl melts very readily when exposed to uh, radiant heat, so you could melt some of the door of the frame. So I think you need to be really careful about the position of the stove. You need to follow the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, guidelines. So I would definitely 
get some advice from a professional on this that can actually see your physical setup and tell you how to accomplish this because the rule of thumb is three feet. If you can keep three feet of space between the back of that stove and your slider or your window, I think you'll probably be okay, but I suspect that's going to really push it out in the room. Maybe you don't want to do that. So I think we have to figure out how we're going to meet the safety standards here um, without impacting the combustion combustible parts of your house or the windows or the slider. Yeah, that's why I wanted to just um, ask that question to you before I got too excited about doing the project, you know, and you may be able to do it fine, but but that's, but that's the issue. You start with three feet and then you kind of work back from there, depending on what kind of uh, fire protection you can kind of build into it, Francis. Consider the glass as the same as you would a regular wall. Absolutely. You know, and especially because of the vinyl um, frame around the window. I think, I think ours is actually vinyl. So. Yeah, you know, one uh, one uh, burning pattern I always used to see in the years I was a home inspector was vinyl sided, siding that was bur- was burned or melted because the um, you know, the gas grill was too close to it or the charcoal grill was too close to it. And that radiant heat just reached across, you know, in some cases, uh, five, six, seven feet and burned the siding. And you could see it all shrunk and melted. It has sort of a halo effect. So vinyl, vinyl will melt pretty readily, and you definitely need to have the proper spacing there to make this work. Francis, thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, as you head out for visits for the holidays, one simple step can help make sure you won't come home to newly developed waterfront property courtesy of a busted pipe or a leaking water heater. We'll share that solution after this. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring, we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, give us a call with your how-to dilemma at 888-MONEY-PIT. You'll get the answer to your question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a set of five Lutron Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switches. These are very convenient. It's a hands-free way to turn lights on and off. Very easy to install. Very excellent sensing capabilities. They look nice. They're available at your local home improvement store or through your local electric 
electrical professional. You can learn more at LutronSensors.com or call them at 888-LUTRON-1. But we've got five to give away for a total value of 100 bucks. going out to one caller at 888-MONEYPIT. Tammy in Tennessee is on the line with a toilet question. It's a lot of T's and a tongue twister. How can we help you, Tammy? Best way to replace the seal on our toilet. We're redoing our flooring and got the toilet up, and we're just wanting to replace the seal. So, I mean, you pretty much have to replace the wax seal now that you've got the toilet up, and it's a pretty easy DIY project. One little tip I would give you is that when you buy the wax seal, they have different thicknesses. I don't think you can really hurt yourself by using one of the thicker ones. It essentially gets placed right above the opening, right above the drain, and then when you drop the toilet back on it, the bolts that are used to hold the toilet in place. One common mistake that people make is they over-tighten those toilets. Don't get sort of wrenched to the floor. They just get sort of snugged to the floor. Don't go too tight on those bolts because you will crack that base of that toilet. Just make them nice and tight. They pretty much will sit there and not move much uh, once you press it in place with the wax in between. And that's really all you have to do. It's a pretty easy plumbing project. Bill, you've got the money pit. How can we help you with your flooring project? I bought a house like uh, three uh, years ago, and uh, I, I hired these people to come and, you know, strip my uh, the hardwood floors in my uh, living room, and they never did a, did a good job, and I can I, I could never get a hold of them. And uh, the hardwood, uh, the hardwood uh, squeaks. I want to redo it. What is the best... Um, uh, the best way to you know uh, refinish it. Okay, so the issue is that you want them to be to stop squeaking, or you want to refinish it, or kind of both. Stop uh, squeaking, and also I want to uh, refinish them. Okay, so there's a couple of things that you can do. First of all, because uh, you're doing the refinishing and the repair at the same time, um, that actually makes this a little bit easier. But what you're going to want to do is deal with the squeaking issue first. And the reason that that happens is usually because of movement. If you can identify those sections of the floor that are the loudest, they're probably going to have the most movement. Then simply what you want to do is re-secure those floorboards to the floor. So you can do that with nails. If you nail through the hardwood board into the floor joist below at a slight angle with a nail that's kind of rough, like a galvanized nail, you're going to have to pilot that hole first, put a small drill hole in first, and then drill nail right through the hole because you can't nail hardwood directly. The nail will bend, the board will split. In ones that are really leak, you can actually use a trim screw, which is a long, thin screw with a tiny head. It's a little bit bigger than a nail. That's even a better way to do it because it, it, the screws are really solid. They won't pull back out again. So I would just... Tighten up the boards as best you can in the loudest areas. You're never going to get them, get them all, so don't try. And then you can have um, your floor refinishers sand it and refinish it. And I would definitely have the sanding done professionally. I would not do this myself because the tools are very rugged. And if you don't use them every day, you're going to damage your floor. So I would have it completely sanded and then refinished. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate it very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, with millions of us traveling this holiday season, we thought it might be a good time to talk about how to make sure your home is protected from all those mechanical gremlins that can come out while you are out of the house. Yeah, you know, one of those, I think, are plumbing issues, and they can happen, and when they happen, they can be pretty, you know, devastating, depending on the 
scale of what kind of plumbing situation you end up with. So I think the biggest thing here to take away, guys, is that you should know where your water main is, your water main turnoff valve. It's usually going to be on the side of your house close to the street where the water is coming in, you know, the supply comes in from your town, village, city, wherever you are. And you'll see it. Maybe it's labeled already. Maybe it's not. It's going to be obvious which one it is. Once you know what it is, put a tag on it so everybody in your family knows. And then you can go ahead and turn off the water to your home before you go away. You know, that's going to be helpful because if something happens, if a pipe bursts, if anything goes wrong, you're going to not end up with an, you know, a continuous incoming amount of water. And that could save you thousands upon thousands of dollars in damage. Yep. Good point. Now, the other thing is electrical. It's a good idea to turn off non-essential circuits on your electrical panel when you go away. So this is a project that you can do over a weekend, figure out which breakers have to stay on and which don't. So what has to stay on? Obviously your furnace, right? You know, your security lights outside, maybe um, uh, some lights in the second floor or the first floor to make it look lived in. But there are other circuits that maybe you don't need in all those bedrooms, or maybe you don't need all the kitchen appliance circuits circuits to be hot. Those that you really don't need on, turn them off because if they're not energized, then you're not gonna have a chance of a fire developing. So plumbing valves off, main water valve off, non-essential circuit breakers off, and then you can be assured that when you go away, there's a far smaller chance that anything's going to happen to that house that's going to cause damage while you're not there to deal with it. 888-666-3974. We are here to help you deal with any home improvement or home decor project that's on your to-do list. Give us a call. Put it on our list at 888-MONEYPIT. Cheryl in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you? I have some countertops that are plywood, Um, I just purchased a house recently, and I'm planning to do a total remodel in about a year, but right now the countertops are plywood, and so I wanted an idea to um, put on the countertop so that I don't have water damage to the plywood, and plus something that looks nice, and I was wondering if you might have an idea. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different options, of course, at a variety of price points, and if you're looking for something that's just going to be temporary but still stylish and functional, you know, probably your quickest and most DIY and affordable option could be tile. Now, that's going to be something that you could easily do on your own, and there's a lot of different choices to keep you within a variety of price points. Um And that generally can look really, really great. The other options are laminate countertops, which you can get pre-cut at the local home center. And that just depends on how much of a run you need and how much actual cutting to fit to size that you have to get. Um, But those are probably going to be your two most affordable. I think with tile, it really gives you an opportunity to make it really stylish and your own and something that you can feel proud of doing yourself and last you through the long haul until you're ready to do a major remodel. Okay. And what do you usually adhere the tile with? I'm not really much of a DIY person, but I, I, I'm sure, I think I could do it, but I was just kind of curious with the water, what adheres that tile and keeps that countertop protected? So there's two options. There's a tile mastic, which is sort of like a glue that you trowel onto the plywood and you stick the tiles onto that. And then there's like a tile mat. It's like a two-sided adhesive mat that you glue that down to the wood surface in your case. Then you peel off a backing and you can stick the tiles right on top of that. So there's a couple of ways to do that. If you can find the mat, 
Um, what's interesting about that is you can grout right away. If you use the mastic, you've got to let it dry overnight, and then you can grout. Okay. I like those ideas. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Still to come, will your smoke detector sound an alarm quickly enough to save your life? Maybe not, according to a new study. We're going to tell you which type of detector is best after this. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So did you get any new tools for for Christmas? Are you hoping for some? You know, I really, this year, my mom decided not to give the family gifts. We're all going to go on a vacation. So there's no presents to unwrap there, which is fantastic. Yep. There's few things that are better than tools, but I think a vacation quality. Well, you know, we've been trying to do experiences. (laughs) So for me, you know, it's like you and I are so well stocked with tools. You know, aside from like a really good quality glue gun, there was really nothing on my list. You know, I, I have so many tools. I need storage cabinets. So that's kind of on my project uh, list to, t- to tackle. Uh, as soon as it warms up and get in that garage and reorganize it, it is definitely time for once over. I've done it before, and, but it's just sort of creeped up on me again. So that's uh, that's my project. Perhaps that is my New Year's resolution uh, for the season ahead. What is on your to-do list? Put it on ours. Pick up the phone and call us right now at 888 Money Pit. Joan in Missouri, you've got the money pit. How can we help you? I have a small 8 by 10 outbuilding, and I'd like to use it for a craft shop, a craft studio, but I need to heat it to make sure the paint doesn't freeze in the winter. Also, I need it to, you know, be a functional temperature. So I'm not really sure how to go about that. Okay, so first of all, can you get gas lines to this particular building so that you can use a gas heater? That would be doable. That would be doable. I mean, the other option is propane. Propane, yeah. We're, we're not allowed to have propane 
where I live in town. Okay. So, I mean, if you can get natural gas lines run to that particular building, then what I would use is a gas furnace and I would heat it the same way I would heat a house. Now, if it's, if it's one, is it one open space? Yeah, it's just a little tiny little building. So if it's one open space, you can probably put a, a small wall heater, gas fired wall heater in there and insulate it as best you can. And I think that will be enough to keep it warm. Okay. Well, I'll give it a shot. Thanks a lot. Well, you might think having working smoke detectors in your home is going to protect you in the event of a fire. But according to the experts at Texas A&M, that protection really depends on the type of smoke detector you have. Now, there are two type of detectors out there, ionic and photovoltaic. And as it turns out, the ionic smoke detectors go off for fires with flames. But those same type of detectors are not going to quickly detect slow smoldering fires. In fact, when comparing detectors, the Texas A&M University study found that ionic smoke detectors didn't go off until 36 minutes after that fire started, and that's too late to avoid the toxic smoke. Now, the good news is that the photoelectric type of smoke detector does detect fires quickly, and these are a little more expensive, but they're well worth the cost. So your best option is really to have detectors that use both types of detection technology. Or if you've already got one type, like Ionic, you can back it up with a photoelectric detector and and vice versa. You also want to be sure to always test your detectors. And if they're more than five years old, replace them because that detection technology is always on. And so it does sort of wear out. So you want to replace them. And if you do, make sure you choose the new detectors that have the dual detection technology. You'll be good to go with either type of fire. Jesse in Michigan, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Um, so I have a question about the laundry pump setup that's in my basement right now. Um, the current setup has our washing machine draining into a laundry tub, and the laundry tub drains into a sump pump that sits inside a bucket that sits just on top of the basement floor. And the sump pump pumps it up into the main drain line and extends out of the house. Uh, I've got my eyes on a new great water pump that I'd like to replace um, the sump pump with. And the gray water pump has a vent location that says it has to be connected to a vent system for the pump to operate correctly. And so I'm wondering if that vent system, like, do I have to somehow connect that to the main vent stack in the house, or can I just like, hook up a, some sort of new vent system in the basement? Um, I'm a little unclear on what to do with that aspect of it. Okay, so first of all, the entire assembly that you just described to us is not done correctly. You know, you're not supposed to be draining laundries into sumps in any way, shape, or form. Your idea of putting in a gray water pump, however, is the right way to go. And then, of course, you would discharge the the washing machine into that gray water pump. It would be float actuated, and it would lift the water up high enough to drop it into the main waste system for the house. And yes, it is supposed to be vented as well. And the vent would, in most cases, connect with the stack vent for the house, although there is a type of ball vent that could be used and not connect where it would just let air in but not gases out. So there are two ways to do that. Okay. Uh, the main vent stack in the house it seems to be pretty much inaccessible. There is no opening that I seem to be able to tap into it. So um, can you tell me again what the other type of valve was that I can look for? It's technically known as a known as an air admittance valve, and basically it lets air in, but it doesn't like let gases out. Okay. And so I can simply just have that exist in the basement space and now all of the, the pump to function properly. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Is your fresh cut Christmas tree losing its pep? Well, we've got some advice to help revive that tree and help make it last through the new year after this. You live in a body pit. 
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We will help you get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a set of five Lutron Maestro occupancy switches. Now, the occupancy switch is super convenient. I mean, it allows you to use all of your lighting in your home hands-free. goes on and off just by simply walking into a room. And that's kind of really helpful this time of year. I always find that, you know, normally I'm always carrying something around the house, but especially during the holiday times and with guests in the house, there's just so much stuff to move around that having your hands full seems to be more common than not. So occupancy sensors, especially the Lutron Maestro series, are really helpful. They're super easy to install. They give you a really big impact. And best of all is they they look really nice in the room, but they also have excellent sensing ability. So they know when you're entering. They know when you're leaving. It really is a great thing to add to your home. They're available at your local home improvement store or through your local electrical professional. If you want to learn more, check out LutronSensors.com or give them a call at 888-LUTRON-1. 888-666-3974 is our telephone number. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. Hey, you can also post it to Facebook.com slash The Money Pit. Tony and George is on the line with a roofing question. How can we help you today? I wanted to uh, transfer from a shingle roof to a metal roof. I wanted to know if leaving the shingles on would give me a better insulating factor and if there's any other pros and cons that you could advise me on. Well, leaving the shingles on gives you zero insulating factor. What it can do is add to the, the inefficiency of, uh, of your home's uh, insulation system because it'll act as a heat sink. It'll hold a lot more heat into that roof structure, and that will raise the temperature of the building, uh, costing you ultimately um, more air conditioning. It also um, can result in the roofing material, the metal roofing material, be appearing uneven. So I would strongly encourage you to strip off all of those shingles. I mean, metal roofing is a big investment. Let's do it once, do it right, and you won't have to do it again for like 100 years. So it's definitely worth stripping it off and starting from scratch. Yeah, also I noticed that it is much uh better, easier to walk on than it would be if it was just lap boards with metal on top of it. Um, I could see that, but I mean, you shouldn't really have to do much walking on that roof once it's done. Yeah, yeah. Once it's done, it should last my lifetime. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your advice on that. Well, you're welcome. Good luck with that project. I think you're doing a good thing. 888-666-3974. Well, now that we are in the holiday season, your tree might be looking a little peaked. If you want to keep it fresh, you know that, of course, you need to keep it well watered. But what you might not know is that if you let that tree suck up all the water in the stand to the point where it really is completely dried out, the trunk sort of seals itself off, and there's no way to get it to start drinking again, short of taking the tree down and making another cut in the base. So you want to make sure that you keep it wet. And if you find yourself watering it too often, it's a good idea to pick up a different tree stand perhaps for next year, one that's got a very deep water reservoir so you don't have to attend to it every single day. Yeah, you know, it's also a good idea to keep that tree away from your fireplace, your heating vents, radiators, pretty much any source of heat. You also might consider using a humidifier overnight just to keep a little bit of moisture in the air, especially if you've got a forced hot air heating system, which can just be terribly drying. Now, you can also keep the temperature in the room a bit cooler, or at least turn that heat down when no one's in the room. You're also going to save on your heating costs while saving your tree. Yep, good advice. 888-666-3974. We hope that you're having a fantastic holiday weekend. Give us a call right now with the project that's on your holiday wish list at 888 Money Pit. 
Justin in Rhode Island is on the line with an interesting project at a very old building. How can we help you? I'm calling about a property that I just purchased. It is a church building that I'm in the process of converting to a residential. And I had some questions about a heating system for this building. How can we help? It's, a, it's an enormous building. It's about 2,800 square foot on the top main level and about 2,600 square feet on the bottom. And uh, in the past, there was uh, a coal system uh, with radiators. Um, For about 20 years, there's actually been no heating in the entire building. And um, I just finished replacing a lot of the damage that was caused by that. And um, now with the winter coming, um, I'm looking at having a heating system uh, as soon as possible, really. Um, And I've searched around quite a bit, different HVAC specialists, and... uh, they seem a little uncertain about how to heat something this size. Yeah, it's more of a commercial project than a residential project. Now, the the work that you've done to repair, do we know if the radiators are in good condition? What kinds of radiators are there? Um, actually, there's there's nothing left uh, currently. Uh, the previous owner had uh, removed everything. Oh, so you got nothing. Uh, everything. Yeah. It's a pretty do you want to air condition the home as well? Um, it's it's not necessary 100%, but uh, it wouldn't be bad to have that, certainly. So, first of all, you have to decide if you want to use a forced air system or a hot water system. If you use a forced air system, you're going to have a duct system installed that will provide both warm air and cool air uh, in the summer, warm air in the winter. If you want to use a, a water system, a hot water baseboard system or a radiator system, uh, then that would cover the heating but not the air conditioning. Most Folks today use forced air, even though it's a drier heat, it's less expensive because you're not kind of putting in two separate systems. So I think that this is completely doable. You probably need to speak to not your sort of your local HVAC residential contractor, but somebody who's more experienced with commercial work, figure out uh, the best way to get the duct system run, to make it look good, you know, put it in such a way where it could be uh, hidden behind ceilings or walls or featured, if that's the kind of look you're going for, sort of that industrial look. Um, but there's calculations that are involved and be able to tell based on this many square feet and, and, more importantly, this many cubic feet that have to be heated or cooled, how many BTUs you need of heat, how many BTUs you need of cooling power to be able to make that building comfortable. And, and it sounds to me like you just haven't found the right guy yet. <laughs> Uh, more recently, I've been kind of um, reading into uh, radiant heating um, from the floor. Um, the forced hot air was the first thought, and um, it's become somewhat of an issue because of the original tin ceilings, uh, actually on both levels. And we really didn't want to disrupt that, having um, to replace any of that again uh, by running ductwork through the basement or through the attic. Uh, so I, I was really interested in what your opinion was uh, on radiant floor heating. Uh, for something this size. I think radiant floor heating is is fantastic. Uh, You can do a lot with PEX piping today, cross-link polyethylene, and it certainly is an option. But again, it's a big project, and given the size of your home, it's going to have to be slid up into many zones. Are you taking, was it a big open space that you're sort of dividing into rooms? Um, The plan is to have really just one one enormous uh, space. It's about uh, 70 by 40, roughly. Um, just a big open rectangle for the most part. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I think radiant floor heat is a great idea, but, of course, that doesn't help you uh, on the air conditioning side. Uh, if it comes to air conditioning, there's a, there's a type of system called Space Pack, which is a high-velocity, low-volume system where you have very small 
air conditioning hoses, so to speak. They're about three inches in diameter. That are a lot easier to hide, uh, and they're very often used in uh, buildings that are uh, design sensitive, where you don't want to do a lot of disruption to put in big old heating ducts. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks so much for your call. Sounds like a fun project, Justin. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, it's pretty well known that poinsettia flowers, while they're really very pretty, can actually be very dangerous if you eat them. But it turns out that other holiday flowers are actually far more toxic. We're going to tell you what they are and how to avoid poisonings after this. You live in a body pit. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Let's jump into a post from Donna in New Jersey that says, with all of the recent cold weather, our cold water pipes have been freezing. Now, the hot water line just broke, which really surprised me, since I thought that one would not freeze since it was for hot water. How did that happen, and what can I do to keep the other ones from freezing. That, Donna, is a surprising misconception. Hot water pipes do freeze before cold water pipes. And you're saying, how can that happen? How is that possible? It's very simple. There's a little science behind it. If you think about it, hot water runs through the water heater, right? And so in that process, it actually takes out all the air that's in the water. You have less air bubbles entrained in hot water than you do in cold. So that means there's less sponge to that water when it freezes. When the hot water pipe freezes, there's no give. It just expands and expands and expands until the pipe gets ripped or broken. Cold water actually can take a little bit more abuse because of that kind of sponge in it in the ice, which is caused by the air bubbles. But hot water doesn't have that, so it breaks quite quickly. Now, as to your next question, which is, what can I do to stop this from happening again? Well, it really depends on where these pipes are running. Pipes that run through exterior walls are are frequent uh, sources of uh, issues with freezing. If you can open that wall and re-insulate those areas, that can help a lot. Perhaps wrap the pipes with pipe insulation. If you can't, another thing to do that sometimes is even easier than trying to get into the wall where the pipe is to run another line and run it through some of the interior space. We used to have a water line in our kitchen that froze all the time, and I just re-ran it and re-ran it inside the cabinet and, and took it out of running through the exterior wall. And you, do, you can do it with PEX, that uh, cross-link polyethylene piping. So easy to work with that today. I mean, it doesn't really need to be soldered or anything like that. It's pretty much cut and all these pressure joints that sort of clamp it back together again. Very, very easy plumbing to work with, certainly for you, a DIYer or a plumber. And that can help you avoid this problem in the future. Yeah, and the PEX plumbing, I mean, it really does look so slick when you get it going into your house. Well, this time of year, holiday plants can help set the scene for celebrations. But despite their beauty, some holiday plants can be dangerous to humans and pets. Leslie's got that lowdown on holiday plant safety in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, to keep your holiday free of emergencies, you need to be keeping a few holiday plants out of reach or perhaps even out of your house altogether. First of all, let's talk about holly. I know it's synonymous with the Christmas season and the holiday time of year, but holly... I mean, it really is just kind of an unfriendly plant. Now, the prickly leaves, you know, really do help keep the kids away in the first place. But consuming just one or two of those holly berries can actually cause a tummy ache. And if you eat as few as 20 holly berries, you can actually die. So you want to be super careful and keep them away from your kids and your pets. 
Now, mistletoe, that's another deceptive holiday plant. It goes hand in hand with romance, yes, but also hand in hand with nausea, diarrhea, blood pressure problems, and sometimes even fatalities when the berries are eaten. So keep that mistletoe hung up high on the ceiling or above the doorway where it belongs. Now, amaryllis and paper white narcissus, those can actually cause heart arrhythmia and convulsions if their bulbs are digested. Pets are especially susceptible to these flowers, so keep them far, far away from the reach of any hungry or just simply curious animals. I'm saying just be careful, guys. I'm not saying don't be happy and joyful. We want you to be joyous this season, but be careful. And if you even think that one of these plants was eaten, do call your local poison control center. Keep that number handy. You never know when you might need it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, one downfall of a portable generator is having to string extension cords throughout the house to use it. The good news is that there's a way to make portable generators easier to use. It's a simple switch that a pro can install, and we'll have that tip on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pit.